Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Box Set Pod, episode two, season two. Yes, uh, we ask you, as usual, to recommend us to a friend. If you know somebody who loves TV, who's that person who's always recommending to you to watch something? Well, well, maybe you should tell them that you've got somebody else recommending things to you, and that is us. We will do our best to make sure that you don't wander blindly into a box set that is no good for you. Today, a very special box set pod. So my whole life, I'm Howell, this is Jamie. Yeah. My whole life, I've been a huge fan of the Muppets. Uh, I studied directing at university and I did... did a dissertation did on the a, Muppets. Did a dissertation in part on Jim Henson, who is just one of my heroes. You got a third, didn't you? I got a 2-1, just a couple of points off our first. Um, and, uh, and I love him. And this is probably the closest I'll ever get to interviewing uh, Kermit the Frog. Um, we would like you to welcome a real-life puppeteer who has some experience in the Muppet world, Andrew James. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, it's Andrew James Spooner. Well, I was about to say that. I was, I was about to correct myself because your name on Twitter is my favourite name, which is the only spoon. <laughs> I've got to say, I was really pleased when I got that. Yeah, yeah I bet. I uh, bet, as if no one else has got the the only spoon before you. No, well, initially I went, I was looking for, I'd just seen The Matrix, I think, so I went for There Is No Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> and that was taken, so I went, well, <laughs> the only spoon seemed a logical one, so there we go. And nobody else had it, so I nabbed that one pretty quick. Fair play. So, um, <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, Andrew, how old are you? I'm 44 as of Tuesday. 44? Oh, right. Happy birthday for Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're 44, you're, you're 10 years older than us, which means you would have been aware more than us as a child. Mm -hmm. You would have been probably about 10 when things like The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth yeah. came out. Is that right? Yeah, I, that, that was about right. I mean, I was, um, I, I, guess, I guess I was that archetypal kid of the 70s, really, because I was born in 71, which meant when things like, the, the Muppet Show and Star Wars and all that kind of right. stuff hit. I was kind of like seven, six, seven, eight. Yes, yeah, so the that Muppet Show. The Muppet Show began late seventies. Then was it? It was about. I would say yeah, because I'd, I'd say about seventy-seven in the UK, right? Something yeah. like that. So yeah, that I mean that hit big. Obviously, you know, when you were a kid in the late seventies, and my whole life at that point revolved around three things: that was uh, Doctor Who, Star Wars, and the Muppets. Yeah! Wow, what that a childhood. There, there was nothing else. The, the, I, wow, I would say they're the three biggest box sets on the planet, actually. I would say, I would say, especially when you're talking about your Doctor Who's, you can carry on Crazy. collecting for the rest of your life, I suspect. Yeah, indeed. So was it, um, was it from that early age when you first started watching The Muppet Show that you thought, right, was it that that got you into puppetry? I wouldn't say it was that that got me into puppetry. What happened was is that obviously Muppets was a... It was everywhere. I mean, it was it was school bags. It was watches. It was yeah. It was cool, know, wasn't it? I mean, it was. I mean, there were albums. I've still got my um, vinyl albums that I got. Wow. You know, Christmas presents and stuff like that. Um, but I was too young. I think I didn't quite 
understand what was going on. Yeah, because I think people think of, our generation think of the Muppets and they get confused between the Muppets and Sesame Street. And therefore, there is a slight um, belief that it's for kids, which of Mm. course... It's it's not that it isn't for kids, but the Muppets was always a bunch of comedians who were puppeteers, yeah. and so it was actually a comedy show, wasn't it? Well, I mean, obviously, if you, if you know your uh, history with the Muppets, they they were around from the late sixties in the states, and prior to uh, things like Sesame Street, they were appearing on like late night talk shows. Yeah, um, it was essentially a comedy. Mm. Um, skit that Jim would take on these shows and then they got hired to do Sesame Street and I guess from my point of view my first memory of characters like Grover and Kermit and stuff like that was Sesame Street Mm. as Mm. a very young kid and then that translated to obviously watching um, The Muppet Show when that came on but I mean in terms of clicking as a puppeteer I, I not really that didn't really happen until I would say Labyrinth yeah. Um, which came out when I was, I, I, can't, I was at secondary school. I couldn't tell you how old I was. I mean, I really enjoyed The Dark Crystal, but at that point it was still just, it was that thing I watched in the cinema. I always struggled with, even when I was doing my dissertation, I struggled w- mm. with The Dark Crystal, and it was so dark, and it was an experiment in puppetry and art, and art more than, I think, an amazing film. And Jim Henson sort of knew that, I think, and really refined the film directing side of it for Labyrinth and make it a bit less dark and a bit more accessible. I think you're right. I mean, I think as a kid, I I, I think I was probably t- a tiny bit scared by The Dark Crystal. Yeah. To be honest, as you say, it was very dark and it wasn't, it didn't really feel like a kid's movie. No. When I saw it, um, it's, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's not my favourite one. No, no, me. By, by a long shot, but I, I can appreciate it as, a feat of puppetry. There's some amazing stuff going on there. I mean, stuff that hasn't really ever been topped as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Um, but in terms of wanting to do it as a puppeteer, Labyrinth came out, and that was a much more kind of family-friendly um, film, obviously, with David Bowie and songs and stuff. And I remember watching... They did a making-of documentary, which went out on a channel that used to be called TVS when I was growing up. Mm. And uh, it was a little half an hour documentary, and I suddenly something clicked in my head and went, people are getting paid for doing this. Yeah. Is this something that people do for a living? And that that's kind of when the interest started for me. Did you also fancy Jennifer Connolly? Oh, well, obviously. Yes. I'm not, you know, I mean, I've followed her career with great interest. <laughs> you, I mean, uh, what, was what, the, what was that lady. film? Uh, uh, the weird one. The, You're thinking of Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a oh. Dream. Now, you couldn't get more different there, could you? <laughs> that, that blew a lot of my uh, yeah. dreams about Jennifer out the window. That's, 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 that's a hard watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not an easy film, is it? Yeah. So, you so, remind me of The Babe. Oh, yes. Babe with the power. Anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> I, I know. I had a little cassette of that soundtrack in my car, which I've still got. Right, let's do it. Are you ready? I'm oh, going to be oh, the first one. Okay, oh, it's been a while, but go on. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Do what? Remind me of the babe. <laughs> yes! <laughs> hey, nailed it. That's it. I can die happy. <laughs> you know one of my favourite stories. I don't know if this is in the making of. Did did you know the uh, the bits in this film where David Bowie's like spinning those crystal balls in his hand? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not really his hand. That's somebody else's yeah. hand doing it. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a. It's 
into mime guy called or a juggling guy called Michael Motion. Yeah. Who, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I that's amazing because it, it can, you completely sell it in the film. It's, uh, well, whenever, whenever yeah. I see it now, I just think there's some guy behind David's back just spinning yeah. a couple of balls. <laughs> but that's great. I love stuff like that because now it would all be CGI and boring. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and it wouldn't look as good. It wouldn't. And no. I'm so glad the Muppets have returned. But let's get on to that. So, um, so what was your first experience then uh, as a puppeteer? What was your first puppet? Oh my gosh, my first puppet. That's a tricky one. Well, I, 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 I came at it. The thing about puppeteers is we're a fairly odd bunch. <clears throat> we, we come at it from various different directions. And I didn't really see a way into puppetry. So I went into acting. So I went off to drama school for three years. Oh, which one did you go to? I went to Guildford School of Acting in oh, not Guildford. Fun. I went to enough. Rose Bruford, not far away. Oh, right. They didn't let me in. Rose Bruford didn't want me. Yeah, they only accept the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked it there, but they didn't let me in. No, and I came out of that three years going, I really like performing, but I'm not sure I really want to be an actor because yeah. I'm not comfortable being on stage myself. And it was then I just thought, well, I'll just, I'll write. I, I got the address for the Jim Henson Creature Shop from a friend of mine who had it for some strange reason. And I just wrote them a letter. Mm. Cold letter saying, I really want to be a puppeteer. I mean, it's a dreadful letter. <laughs> I've got a copy of it. I, I would have thrown it in the bin, quite <laughs> frankly, if I'd seen it. But they were auditioning um, for the first time in about eight years. And I just happened to write at exactly the right point. So they called me in wow. um, to do an audition. And what they were doing, and we didn't know this at the time, was they were gearing up for Muppet Treasure Island, which Ooh. was going to happen about a year later. And it was kind of like it was a two-week audition, and it was a bit like the X Factor in that you all went in there, and at the end of each day they would read out some names. Yeah. And if they read your name out, you would stay until the next day. Oh. <laughs> and this just kept going on and on and on for two weeks. And I, yeah, I survived. I managed to get there and I was there for the final week. There was eight of us in the final week. And, yeah, that was really where the relationship with Henson started um, because I started doing commercials and little jobs here and there. And my first puppet, well, actually, my first ever job was on Spinning Image. That was my first ever paid job. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because it, the, the gene pool of puppetry is quite small in the UK. <laughs> if you get in at Henson's, then you know a lot of people that work on other TV shows. Yeah. And they were doing a, this would have been 1994, they were doing a New Year's special. And they needed extra puppeteers, so I just got the call to go in for a week to work on Spitting Image, which was Wow, and what fantastic. were you playing? Um... I, my first ever job, I was thinking about this the other day, I was the right hand <laughs> on Charles Darwin. Wow. <laughs> on a, Dar a Darwin gag, so, you know, topical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, uh, that was my first ever moment on screen. Amazing. <laughs> and, right and, and then you actually worked on Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, I got the call um, about six months to a year later. This would have been, the, uh, it would have been April 95 when we started shooting that at Shepperton, <clears throat> and they asked me in for a week, and we were shooting lots of scenes that were in the... I mean, you obviously know the movie. Yes. Uh, the big dock scene where they're getting on the boat at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were shooting all of that stuff on one of the big stages up there, and I was there for a week, wow. and that was it. I was, just, I was pleased. I was there for a week. I thought, this is fantastic, and I did my week, and I was leaving, and one of the, um, the production manager came up to me and said, can I have a, have a quick word, Andy? And because of the nature of my personality, I was like, OK, what have I done wrong? Yeah, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> and that, that's just who I am as a person. Yeah. But then he took me to one side and he said, I think, 
think we might be able to offer you about 10 weeks' work if you're interested. Oh, <laughs> my lordy. I'll do it for free. <laughs> if I'm interested. You know, that was, that was the line that... Did you play it cool? Me. Did you like, oh, oh yeah. Oh. I was like, oh, well, let me just check my diary. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, of course I wasn't. I just said yes immediately. Wow. Um, so I was there for pretty much the whole shoot in Shepparton. Yeah, that was the summer of 95. Mm. And it's kind of like the benchmark, that movie. It's the, it's the one job I kind of judge everything else by. Really? It's such a fantastic time. Yeah, yeah, now that was the... Wasn't that the film after Muppets Christmas Carol? Um, yeah, that was that was the one directly after Christmas Carol. Yeah. Okay, so it was the second one that Brian Henson directed. Was he directing? That's right. Still? Yeah, yeah, that was the second one that Brian directed. So Jim died, and then Brian did um, uh, Christmas Carol, which of course is the greatest film ever made. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, and then this was the follow-up. So it's seen as a follow-up. It's like the expectations were so high that I think it's it's not seen as standing up to the standards of, of Christmas Carol. But when you look at it on its own, it's it's still a really good film. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, it's, it's one of those things where it's difficult because when you're involved in something and you've got the memory of shooting it, that is so tied up with how you perceive the movie when you watch it. Yeah. When you watch it, you're just going, oh, I remember that day. That was the day when X, Y, Z happened. So yeah. you're not really watching it as a standalone ent- ent- entity. So I can't really judge it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. I remember when we first saw it, uh, we had a cast and crew showing. I felt it dipped a bit in the middle. Yeah. There was quite a long period in the middle where it was a bit talky and mm. there wasn't much going on. But, yeah, I think it's a great movie. I think if you go back and you watch it now, as you say, as a standalone, yeah. I think it stands up really well. I think it <clears throat> it hasn't particularly aged. There's some I good think. set pieces in there, and um, same with Muppets in Space. I just think that it it really was. The Christmas Carol was such a good movie that it was mm. so difficult in the sort of 10 years following that. It was so difficult to live up to it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. When you've, you've kind of hit that, you know, benchmark in terms of the way something is received, you can... You, you can almost never quite, you know, catch a lightning in a bottle twice. No, exactly. Um, we were always kind of disappointed, I think, some of us, that they never kind of carried on with this idea of um, doing adaptations of classic novels. Yeah. Because we always felt that that was a really rich vein. Yeah. And yeah. we were looking, we, we, we would sit around and go, well, what, do you, what do you think they should do next? And my personal favourite was always going to be Muppets Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is perfect. It blends itself with Kermit as Robin Hood, Piggy as Maid Marion, Oh yeah, Jack Nicholson as the sheriff. I don't know something yeah. like that. It would be absolutely fantastic. All the Three Musketeers. That was another one that kind of. We could do a great Animal Farm. I mean, they're already. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit dark. Yeah. Now, a friend of ours uh, called Ian, who does a lot of jingle voices for us, and stuff, he's an actor. He mm. was um, one of the not an extra. He was there for a long time. He was one of the singing chorus in the prison in Muppets Most Wanted recently. Oh, fantastic! Um, so you probably brushed past each other at some point um Probably did. but you were you worked on that as well didn't you yeah that was that was another that was a just a phone call again out of the blue because i had taken some time off mm. um to have a family and just kind of recalibrate because it's it's a difficult business puppetry it's not it's not something you do all the time yeah so when you have a young family and stuff you tend to start thinking about Maybe I should get a proper job. Yes. Maybe I should grow up and do something serious. And I'd literally just made that decision. I was going to go out and start looking for a career. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how you're supposed to do that. When I suddenly got this phone call saying they're shooting Muppets Most Wanted. And again, it was it was pretty much a the similar situation with 
uh, Treasure Island in that I was there for a week and expecting it only to be for a week. But I ended up there for about 40 days. Wow. So, yeah, another, it, was another, it was a very different experience because mm. um, it's in the hands of Disney now. And how was it different, do you think? I mean, say what you can without worrying about your future employment. Well, I'm, I, Disney, it's just, it's a much more corporate entity. A bigger a ship. Yeah, it's a much bigger ship. And there's, they were coming off the success of the first Muppet film, mm. uh, the first Muppet reboot, if you want to call it that. Um, it felt much more businesslike. Did it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it felt a bit more calculated, and I think that's kind of how I feel about these new movies anyway. Right. They, they're good movies, don't get me wrong, my kids absolutely adore them. I do. But the, the anarchy is gone for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. It's got to be pre-written. The anarchy has to be pre-written now rather than um, particularly invented on the spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, and I think some of the other... Um, Muppet people agree is that the, especially the British guys is that Henson's and the Muppets it was always the counterpoint to Disney if you see what I mean it was the anarchic yeah. twin to Disney all the stuff that Disney couldn't do the Muppets would do it was, a, it was a bit more freewheeling and a bit more edgy and it feels like they've kind of rounded off the edges slightly yeah. I mean, but having said that, they're, they're really good movies. But then know? again, I think you you could draw the same parallel just with time between almost everything. I mean, we work yeah. in radio, and it's certainly a different ship from the 80s and 90s. Same in probably politics is, you know, the people used to be screaming their opinions at each other in a town hall, and now it's all PR'd and careful, you know. I just think the world has had to get more like that. And I was certainly worried. I mean, I'm a big Disney fan anyway, but mm. I was worried when they took over that there would be too much producer interference with things. And I'm, what I was so glad about was that, that was that the jokes are still funny. Line for line, the comedy is still in these films. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which is great. Um, but I do think, I mean, one decision that I... I would like your opinion on, is that I think time will show Ricky Gervais has been the wrong choice for Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, I, it's one of those weird things. It's because we, you're on set and you're watching it and you're going, this is really funny. This is going to this is going to absolutely kill. Mm. <clears throat> and then you watch the final film and you kind of just go, nah. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't translate Not quite somehow. That. I mean, that, this is obviously just a personal... Um, opinion. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. No, but, but I, I think I heard an interview with Ricky Gervais where people were talking. Uh, it was um, Commode and Mayo were interviewing Ricky Gervais, right, right. and Commode had said Simon Mayo had said that he he had bought the albums like you did in the seventies, yeah, which yeah. were uh, of the thing. And Gervais really ripped him apart about how embarrassing this was that he bought the Muppets album. Really? He clearly didn't get. That, that was a cool thing to have. That was like having the Monty totally Python cool record. Yeah, yeah. And um, whilst Gervais, I think, loves the Muppets, I also think that he... I, I, think, I, I think he's a very funny man, but I think there's a reason he's been cast as quite a cruel character in a lot of things, because perhaps mm. there is that vein in him. And he didn't quite bring to it the, the same level of uh, love and inventiveness and enjoyment that a lot of the old um, uh, cameos would have brought to it. Certainly Jason, what's his name in the first one? What, right. Just Seagull. Yeah, there's a kind of, I, I know what you mean. There's, um, it's difficult to quantify, isn't it? I think that there's, with Ricky and his performance in that film, there's kind of a bit of a, a wink at the audience going on. Yeah. A kind of, 
postmodern ironic kind of wink. Exactly. He knows exactly where he is. Whereas if you go back and you watch people like Steve Martin, Peter Sellers, um, all these people that did the movies and, and the TV show back in the 70s, they just completely embrace it. They've bought into it. That's exactly 100%. it. Even if yeah. Bill Murray, who was one of the, 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 you know, the children of the cynical comedian revolution, even if he was with the Muppet, he would, he would be absolutely bought into the character that's talking to him in front of him. There wouldn't be a sense of a postmodern wink going yeah, on. Yeah, you uh, have to buy into it completely 100%. Yeah. It's, it's a childish thing. You know, you need to... And as you're saying, like Jason Siegel in the first one, yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a sense of childish play. Mm, he's yeah. in this universe and he's just having a bit of fun in it. Yeah, and that, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I outside mean. of that, he was my only problem with it. Really, outside <laughs> of that, I, I actually prefer it to the first film. I, I love the whole train going on a journey. I love the the. I mean, with what you've got with Brett right, writing the music, and you've got Ty Burrell in this one. I mean, Ty Burrell yeah. should have played Ricky Gervais's part. I think um, Tina Fey. All of those people are, are great, and you've got very funny people still wanting to take part in this thing. What's it like on set? People like Steve Whitmire, whose autograph I've got hanging on my wall. Fantastic. Uh, um, <laughs> what, what, is, what are people like him <laughs> like to work with? What are they like to work with? Well, I mean, I think in the case of Steve Whitmire in particular, he is probably just the nicest human being alive. He is Kermit <laughs> the Frog. If, in case anyone doesn't know, he's Kermit the Frog and Rizzo the Rat and... Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just they're very open and very friendly. And because they've been doing it for so long, um, I, they're very comfortable in what they're doing. I don't think they feel they, they, they certainly don't feel they have to, you know, show off or be anything. Yeah. Um, I've, I've worked more, I would say, with Dave Goles, who plays Gonzo. And he, he's just, he's about one of the funniest guys you could ever possibly meet. Really? He's absolutely insane. Are the jokes? Are the jokes? Are there a lot of outtakes that we will never see of oh, yeah. slightly too adult jokes? Absolutely, <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff that gets cut yeah. out, ends up, which is a real shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I'd love to see that. What muppets do you usually handle? Um, it, 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 honestly, when you're on a on a film like this, you're you, um, as a British puppeteer, you're essentially background <laughs> yeah. Yeah. talent. So it could be anything from day to day. I mean, um, I guess the favorite one i've ever done is animal animal but i mean over the years i've I've done kermit i've done gonzo uh fozzy piggy i've I've done most of the main ones at some point or other even if it was just a two second shot here or there but we work in this in 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 these worlds where Mm. when you where it's the glass ceiling effect of it you yeah. know, you, you walk into a building and, and the first time you walk into a radio station, it's the most awe-inspiring, terrifying thing. And then, and then it becomes, uh, or, you know, as comfortable as your living room. And then it becomes a workplace. Yeah. Um, with working with the Muppets, um, is there still, when you're holding Kermit, is there still a part of you that goes, oh, my God, I'm holding Kermit the Frog? Oh, God, yes. I'm screaming that in my head all the time when it's happening (laughs) because because it honestly it doesn't happen that often yeah you know it's i've I've done it maybe two or three times um in my career and it you know it it never goes away especially with something like the muppets it just can't because the longest you're there is maybe four or five months every Mm. well in my case every eight years yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) but you know it never it never goes away i mean there are other jobs that you do where you go in and you start especially tv jobs and it's all really exciting, but then after about eight weeks, 
yeah, you're tired. It, they're long days. You, it does just become a job. Yeah. But I mean, that's part of the challenge. It's coming into work every day and with that tiredness, but trying to make something happen, trying mm. to make something magical happen. I guess that's when the craft and the skill comes in. Yeah. There's still a great sense of um, camaraderie amongst the, the cast in The Muppets. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's such a, um, especially the main guys, it's such a select group. Yeah. You know, that you, you can't have that, not have that sense of um, community. <laughs> Do you think they're happy at the moment? Do they seem like they're still quite happy with yeah, the merger yeah, I think and all? So. I mean, there's, there's so much going on. They've just shot um, a pilot. Um, for a new Muppets TV show in the States. Yeah, oh. does it, it's going to be like a mockumentary, isn't it? It's on like ABC or something like that, Yeah, isn't it? I mean, I've, there's all kinds of rumours kind of circulating about it at the moment. I know a couple of people that were on it, and they're not saying anything. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I mean, I've heard all kinds of things like uh, Muppets crossed with The Office, which yeah. uh, makes me wince. <laughs> yeah, it could, could, could be a problem. But, I mean, if it's like a behind-the-scenes thing like they used to have on the Muppet show, that might mm. be quite good fun. But, but that um, sounds like a mock of a mockumentary, which, is, which could be great. I mean, if anyone can pull it off, it's the Muppets, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, let's face it, it's the Muppets, and they're, and they're you know, front and centre again, and they're doing stuff, so that's, that's just fantastic. Do you feel like if you were, uh, were living uh, in America, you'd have a lot more, um, especially in Hollywood, I suppose, you'd, you'd, you'd have a lot more work? I, I guess so. I mean, there's that element, because they've um, come over here a lot, and um, I feel like I know some of these people a bit, and I'm sort of in contact with them via email and stuff like that. You're always hearing about all the stuff that's going on over there. And obviously because of the nature of L.A. and Hollywood, there's a lot of stuff going on there all the time. Mm. And, yeah, I've had that thought occasionally. Maybe I should move out to L.A. Maybe I should, you know, take my chances. But, you know, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't bother. And, I mean, when you look at the history of the Muppets, actually the vast majority have, have been in Britain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the, well, all the original movies apart from, I think, Muppets in Space. Right. That was shot in Canada, as far as I know. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, certainly all the, you know, the TV show <clears throat> and the original movies were all shot in the UK, so they've got a, you know, a long-standing history. And Brian Henson's doing his own thing now, isn't he? So he sold off the company, and then he's got his own... It's like an adult Muppet thing, isn't it, that he's doing? That's right. They, they, they sold off the the rights to the Muppets, the the the, t the characters from the TV show. Yeah. Um, but they still do puppet-based um, stuff in the States. They did a show a year ago called uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Oh, yeah, that was uh, it. Yeah. It was kind of like a face-off kind of weekly challenge, um, mm. one of those TV shows, which, was, again, I thought it was really, really good, mm. but ran for a season and then got cancelled. So that's mm. really irritating. But they do this thing called Puppet Up, which is a stage show which they tour around the world with. And actually what you were saying earlier about um, all the outtakes yeah. that you get on a, a Muppet movie, it was kind of trying to find a way to take all that kind of stuff that happens yeah. but present it to an audience. So they kind of came up with this... It's kind of like whose line is it anyway but for puppets. Right. <laughs> Where the audience will throw suggestions and they'll do sketches and stuff. And, yeah, it's really... I, I, they played it in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. Um, I think they might be coming back over here at some point, but I don't wow. know. Do you have a sense from... Um, do people talk about what Brian thinks of the new films? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, we all talk about, I wonder what he thinks, but none of us know. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know Jim always wanted to sell to Disney, didn't he? He was... Um, 
the you know when they wrote Rainbow Connection, he wanted it to be mm-hmm. there uh, when you wish upon a star and mm-hmm. um, very much sort of uh, wanted to do that at some point and, and didn't manage to do it. No, I mean it, it did happen in the end, but as I said, they've only bought the rights to. It's a very complicated deal, as far as yeah. I'm, doesn't I mean, I don't... doesn't Brian still own Sesame Street? Is yeah, it... well, Sesame Street is completely ring fenced, and that that right. was always going to be the deal was that nobody was ever going to touch Sesame Street. Um, as far as I know, and I don't know much, <laughs> um, Disney only owned the rights to the Muppets in the sense of the characters that were in the TV show originally. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Any characters outside of that are still the property of yeah. the Henson Company, so they still own Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, yeah. <clears throat> and stuff like that. So it, it was kind of weird because on the set of uh, Most Wanted, they had a lot of background characters mm. that Disney didn't actually own. Oh, really? So they had to lease those from Henson's to be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Complicated, yeah, <laughs> big time. And um, and from our friend, we know so like set security is incredibly tight nowadays, yeah. and yeah. and that's true of any big film. Yeah. But if you uh, woe beside you tweet a picture from the set or anything like that, yeah, again, that, I guess it's it's social media, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's things like Facebook and Twitter. Because when we were shooting um, Muppet Treasure Island, we were just wandering around with our SLRs. Yeah. Just, just taking photographs of stuff willy-nilly. Nobody seemed to care. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it couldn't yeah. go around the world in one minute, could it? That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that, and I'd, I'm so glad. I mean, uh, I, I am just... I was so terrified when I found out that the, the films were being brought back and it mm. was under new management. And I just thought, mm. oh, I'm so scared that this is going to be a disaster. And... And I love them. In fact, I like the, the modern ones more than I like some of the some of the old films, some right, of the, right. the older ones. Um, but I'm so glad, and, and I envy your your existence so much, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the reality of it, so it'll be a, mo- a lot more difficult. But I don't think you can possibly find uh, a better creative team to find yourself no. a part of. Could you? Have you ever found a better one? No. I mean, as, as I was saying, it's the Certainly, Treasure Island is kind of like the benchmark. There was the Candom Creature Shop as well, wasn't there? And that shut shut a few years ago. Does it? Is the puppetry world very different now? Was that sort of a golden age? Yeah, just because I guess the prevalence of things like CG. Yeah. Um, there just wasn't the demand for it anymore. And um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about CG. I have opinions. Do you? <laughs> Do you? So, I mean, isn't it coming back? I get the feeling that that people are moving back now as we feel like we've. Things couldn't get any more real with CG anymore. And yeah. perhaps people are now starting to go, oh, remember those uh, puppet things? They're good as well. I think it's, I think it's like any new toy. I think when it, when it came out, everybody just pounced on it, um, especially after Jurassic Park. as being yeah. kind of like, oh, God, we can do absolutely everything. Um, and I think now people are kind of going, well, it's really good for certain things, but maybe some of these older practical uh, solutions are better for other solutions, you know, and I think yeah. there's a mix of the both of them, which is perfect. I personally think that Peter Jackson got it absolutely right with the first Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes. A really nice mix of miniatures and CG and guys in costumes. Well, you know what? The thought, For me, like, the scariest film I've ever seen, Andrew, is oh. The Thing with Kurt Russell oh, yeah, and some absolutely. of the puppetry and some of the, the monsters that have creatures created, there's no CGI in that. There's just like no. someone created. It's amazing. It's a fantastic movie. 
Yeah, terrifying. My, my mum and dad made me watch it when I was about 11. And what? <laughs> I couldn't believe freak's it. What's wrong with your mum and dad? You're 11. <laughs> Watching a thing. That came out the year E.T. came out. That's the... Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was watching. I whilst Jamie's mum and dad were screwing him up, is this is this how your mum made you stay in the house for the rest of your life? Was that it? Yeah, we'll scare him into never doing anything. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> well, I'm a I'm... bit of a John Carpenter nerd, so I could go on about the really, thing. Oh, really, John Carpenter. Yeah. Well, did you, you think... know what you should do though, Andrew? Right, if you get a chance, uh, watch Big Trouble in Little China, but hey. watch it with the director's commentary on. It's hilarious. It him is. and Kurt I've, Russell. I've, I've done that oh. i've got a i'm standing in my office right in front of me i've got two figurines one is lopan the other one is jack burton wow no way <laughs> i love that film oh my god i love it in the commentary the director's commentary is the bit where they're just getting wasted and the film's on in the background and yeah. they're just talking about the kids playing that's right, ice hockey about, that's right and i'm sitting there watching it going can we talk about the movie please yeah <laughs> yeah it's really good it's one of my favorites <laughs> so back to cgi for a second yeah. i think there yeah. was a fear um but I, this is why i thought actually it was quite in a way it was quite brave of disney and i think the disney in the 90s wouldn't have bought the muppets it's mm. only with the john lasseter influence the pixar influence that they seem to be churning out some really good stuff at the moment yeah, they seem to be going back to really good story and and it must be down to john lasseter and it's this real golden age now i think and there must have been it was quite a brave move because there must have been a lot of suits saying kids don't want to look at puppets they don't understand what puppets are it's all about the cgi you know in fact there must have been some guy somewhere who went why don't we make the muppets cgi um mm. and luckily they didn't and um, and it's so nice because that has been brought back with the with the publicity that that brings that company brings and everything it's brought it back on a massive scale and i wonder if actually the muppets and your work with the muppets is beginning to turn people a bit anti-cgi savvy again I might be. I mean, I think I did a, a show um, for CBBS last year called the Furchester Hotel. Oh, a friend is, of mine uh, has yeah. a child, and he lives. He swears Ben is listening to this, and he swears by the <laughs> Furchester Hotel. Excellent. It's good to know that we're being watched. Oh yes, <laughs> you certainly well, it's, are. It's a spin-off from Sesame Street, and um, Elmo and Cookie come over to this hotel in the UK where um, Elmo's uncle works and his aunt and everything. And uh, the thing that is great about puppets is that when they do um, public appearance, when we do public appearances and we do do stuff like that, is you can get in there with the kids and they can see them and they can touch them and they can talk to them. And, um, you know, the fact that I'm there as a puppeteer, and I'm always trying to explain this to people, doesn't matter. The kids do not see me. No. At They're all. not looking at you, are they? No, no, they're much more interested in the blue Scottish character on the end of my arm. He's much more interesting than I am. <laughs> what do you attribute that to? Because as, a, as an adult with an adult brain, you can still, I'm a bloody big fan of going to Disney World. I'll do any, any big kid stuff I'll do. And I can invest in something, but I know that it's a decision, right? It's a conscious decision yeah. that I'll go, I'm going to invest in the puppet rather than the person. Now, do you think that child's brains aren't developed enough yet and they uh, and what i mean by that is that when you're a baby the world is just a surreal mess of everything <laughs> yeah. and so you know anything's bizarre someone holding a pen is going to be a weird thing to look at as a baby do you think that um you know up to the age of like eight there's still an element of that where they're still going 
they've still got the innocence to go, this is real. I suppose I'm asking you, yeah. do you think they actually think it is real on some I level? Think, I, I think they think it's... I've, I've obviously got first-hand experience of this because I've got a six-year-old daughter. Mm. And she understands, I think, on some level that Fergus, who's the character I play on Furchester, is me. Mm. But he's also a separate entity that she watches on the television once a week. Um, She kind of, yeah, it's kind of weird as an adult trying to decipher a six-year-old's brain. But she kind of lives in this weird kind of hinterland where it's a puppet, but it's a real thing as well. Yeah, so there's no way she could understand that you work with... with There's no way you could say... I am Fergus. I could. And I think, honestly, on some level, she gets that. I think she understands that. But as soon as I put Fergus on and talk to her with Fergus, then Fergus becomes a completely separate (sighs) entity and character. Kids are very good at compartmentalising, I think, that way. What a treat to be able to give to your kid. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) What a wonderful thing. And what a... Oh, God, she's I mean, she can't... in some ways and this is the thing with kids I remember she understood that I had to go up to Manchester every week to film the show and I'd come home at weekends and then the show started airing on CBeebies and <clears throat> it was it, the first episode was about to go out and she just suddenly turned around and went Dad your, your program's on in 10 minutes and I was like yeah it's great it's exciting isn't it she said, no 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 you've got to get up to Manchester to do it <laughs> yeah. minutes, and I was like oh yeah oh yeah you're still sick I forgot yeah <laughs> Um, do you film it at Media City in Manchester? Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. that's where we are. Oh, where are you? And um, just in the greenhouse. Ah, uh, right. No, we were there... When were we there? We were there last year from about um, February to the end of May. And are you doing another one? We hope so. I haven't heard anything yet. There are murmurings. Good, good. And if you do, will but... you uh, invite us there oh, for a coffee? Yeah, let us come in. Yeah, sure. No yep. problem. Can we come and see you on the set? Go on. Can we no do problem. a special box set pod from the set? I don't think that would be a problem. Yeah. Oh, this deal is done. Don't you don't, don't, don't you say these things and then forget them, Andrew J. No, no, Spooner. No, no. This is go- I know this will go out on the internet, so I've got to make good on this. Yes. Oh my don't God. Deny us what is rightfully yours, Andrew. <laughs> We've had a promise from Anne, who who created Lilyhammer, that we can go to uh, Lilyhammer and, and do one from the set there. Wow. But I think she's going to forget that. I've um, had a promise that uh, the composer of Chuck TV show is going to do us a theme tune of a, 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 re, a new a new theme tune for the show. So this is our well, third I'll promise. What, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll rain if we, if we do another one, and I'm hoping that if we do, it will be within about what year are we now? Twenty. I, hopefully, it will be sometime time in the middle of next year. Right. If if we do one, I'll arrange an interview with uh, Elmo, Cookie, Ferguson. Oh, How about that? No, that that would be immense. Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew <laughs> next year cannot come fast enough. All right. Well, don't worry. You've you've got me on air now saying okay. that. So. Oh my God. Andrew, okay. Last couple of questions. Um, yeah, quickly. Um, what? Uh, I've, what? Have you had any celebrity encounters from your Muppet experiences? <laughs> um, I think one to date was that we were shooting a scene um, in the, the the wedding sequence and Muppets Most Wanted. Oh, what a beautiful and, sequence. And um, I, I, I didn't do much in that. I was effectively just holding the Constantine puppet up on a green rod. <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't the most taxing of jobs, but I was basically, it was an entire, I mean, it was a beautiful set. It was an amazing set that they built at Pinewood. Um, and there's me sitting in the middle of it in a green screen suit looking a bit like an anemic Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. And I, yeah, and I'm standing there talking to Anthony Lingella. 
Oh, wow. Right. He's wow. The actor. I mean, he's been in so many movies over the years that I've really admired. So that was a real starstruck moment. And yeah. also, he yeah. gave me my one degree to Kevin Bacon, which I'm uh, very yeah. Because he did, um, oh, what did he do? He did a film with Kevin Bacon. Okay, it, wasn't, it might have been Frost Nixon. Wow. Oh, yeah, he was. No, he was. Yeah, he was in Frost Fox Nixon, Nixon with him, wasn't he? That's yeah. right. So I've got my one degree to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> also, um, we always ask people uh, their favourite TV show or box set that they're either watching at the moment or just of all time. Or a bunch. Didn't you mention on email to me that you were a little fan of uh, aforementioned TV series that we've just mentioned? Aforementioned TV series that we mentioned? Chuck? Which one? Chuck? What are you talking about? Did you mention Chuck? No. Oh, Chuck, yeah, no. <laughs> absolutely adored Chuck when that was on. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that show. Good, can't um, go a podcast without saying so, so that's good. Um, I think, uh, what am I watching at the moment? Because it, it varies from uh, month to month. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? Uh, which, I've just finished Better Call Saul. Oh, isn't it brilliant? That was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, I know a lot of people who didn't like it. Really? Really? Because, yeah, I'm too slow, like, bit, bit... I think they were expecting uh, Breaking Bad 2. Right, yeah. And it's really not that. It's no. something no, it's, very, very different. It's really, yeah. But at the moment, I'm devouring Hannibal Season 2. Oh, oh, I've not done Hannibal. I've not tried it, but I've got the first series. Oh, yes. you've got to watch it. It's amazing. Oh, right. It's well oh, worth it. And uh, Daredevil. That's the... Oh, I've been watching that. It's good, isn't it? And yeah. I um, just started on, on Netflix, because I thought it might the, be a bit lightweight. It's the new Marvel no, one. It's yeah. really, it's really dark, isn't it? And... and um, there's that one scene, that five-minute fight scene that is unbelievable. Oh, it's almost done in one, I'm sure in one it's take. Done in one take, but yeah. it's it looks like... How far in are you? I'm about ten episodes in now. Oh, you're ahead of me then. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah, because there are certain moments in that where you're just like, all I need to do is say car door and head. Yeah, I know. And you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well done, yeah. Andrew. You're like a pro of non-spoiler. That's <laughs> great. Yeah. Brilliant. What haven't we mentioned, Andrew, that we should have mentioned from your career? I mean, oh, probably God. so much. Oh, I've done. Spinning Image, uh, Animal oh. Show with Stinky and Jake. That was another Henson thing. The Hoobs. Um, oh, uh, currently, I've got Newsoids going out on ITV on a Wednesday night. Oh, this is the new Spitting Image, basically. It's kind of a new new sort of satirical puppet yeah, show. It's, it's the latest kind of satirical puppet thing. <laughs> wow. And that seems to be doing very well. So, yeah, uh, that, that's good news. And James has sent us lots of pictures, which I've just forwarded to Jamie because he's in charge of Blinks. So hopefully, while you're listening to this, if you listen to it on the Acast app, um, yeah. you will see pictures of James at work that he's sent to us, which is fantastic. Fantastic, um, James Andrew James Andrew, Spooner. Um, so <laughs> find him on Twitter, and um, uh, he is the only spoon, of course. Um, we could just—I I can't wait to see you again. It will. Just be brilliant if if we can uh, come and see you in Manchester. So fingers crossed for the next series. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, it's looking pretty good, I think, but uh, we've just got to wait for the the green light, as it were. You have literally lived the life that I wanted to live, Andrew. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's good. That makes me feel good about myself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for talking to us. No problem. Uh, next week, um, what, what, what have we got next week? Next um, week we've got oh, someone from Pitch Perfect. The the, that is now a box set. So the producer of Pitch Perfect will be joining us next week, which is a good comedy. Do you like Pitch Perfect? Do you see that, Andrew? I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. It's very funny. It's very funny. It's good musical, okay. good modern musical. Um, oh, yeah, and a lot of comedy in it, which is nice. Uh, so th- there'll be that next week on the Box Set Pod. Oh.